0: Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast.
1: I'm
2: your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. It's Tuesday, January 11th, 2022, the 356th day of dystopia. Truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Fewer people are convinced by the story each day as they begin to see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. The time for allowing them to make us feel like strangers in our own country is over. We are Americans. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. This is the end game. Before we get started, I just want to thank the people who donated in the last 24 hours. It makes a huge difference for me in my life, for real. If you'd like to do that, you can go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator, ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And to stay current with what I'm reading and thinking, you can follow the podcast info stream on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. So last week when I introduced the new version of the show, The Endgame, I talked about how we were reaching the end point of the central narrative. People do not trust them. They do not respect them. They do not believe that The purveyors of the central narrative are telling the truth at all anymore, and these hacks and clowns and propagandists have begun to realize it. And here's what I mean. This is a segment from CNN a couple of days ago with Brian Stelter and this useless tool named Oliver Darcy, who's very special on Twitter, just 100 percent state media propagandist all the time. It's shameful honestly but let's hear him tell you how it is now
1: in the reliable sources newsletter here's a here's a big overly broad question for you okay is the media at this point out of touch with the public about covid i i think it's
3: hard to argue that uh you know the media is a, a large uh, group of people but a lot of the media does seem when i look at it and, and then travel the country to be Very out of touch with people. I mean, if you travel the country, people are not really living in the same, uh, bubble that it seems that, uh, most of the media is messaging toward. And and so, yeah, and and so I I, I think this is an issue because if people are tuning out, uh, what's going on in cable news, if we're not messaging toward, uh, the general population, um, you know, they're they're just, you know, ignoring everything and, and living their lives, uh, and, and we're not really getting the information that they
2: need to them. Now, that is a spectacular admission of failure for the propaganda, for the central narrative and for the state media. They are understanding that people are tuning them out. They pretend that people are tuning them out because they've just gotten exhausted by the whole thing. Or they're just beset with misinformation and confused in their little normal minds. They don't understand what the big brains at CNN are trying to tell them. And the arrogance at the end for him to remark that Americans aren't getting the information they need from these people. Like, oh, those stupid Americans, they don't know what's best for them. We do. That's why they have to listen to us. And when they don't listen to us, man, oh, man, things could really go downhill. What will they do without our information? But the truth is that Americans are beginning to inform themselves like we all should have been doing all along. And it turns out that CNN and The New York Times and The Washington Post and The Atlantic and Vox are not actual sources of information. And neither, for that matter, are Anthony Fauci and Rochelle Walensky and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and definitely not Jen Psaki. When the whole pandemic period started, most of America was still sleeping. Everybody was in that fog. We all figured, and myself included, by the way, figured that the central narrative had to at least be mostly right. It had to at least be mostly connected to reality. And if you simply listened to what was being said on, quote unquote, both sides, right? Like Fox News and MSNBC or Democrats and Republicans. If we listened to those two things and we picked out the points where they would meet, we could at least have some understanding of what was really going on. But the truth is, those aren't two sides. We're not in that paradigm anymore. It's either you accept the central narrative or you reject the central narrative. The central narrative is not connected to reality. I've said this a bunch of times, but Fox and MSNBC are not telling you two different stories. They're not even really two different sides. They're just versions of the central narrative that are meant to appeal to certain demographics. People have different opinions. People have different ways they were raised. People are in different environments. So information doesn't hit them the same way because they have different experiences. So what does the state media propaganda do? Well, they give you multiple versions of the central narrative so that they can appeal to different groups of people. Their only true concern is to make sure that the public stays addicted to the central narrative, that they don't look outside the central narrative for information and opinion. Because once they start doing that, they leave the central narrative behind completely as any rational person would, because the central narrative does not map on to reality and is not convincing. Therefore, it is not any version of the truth. It is only a fiction. It is only there to control the masses. And this isn't some new revelation. We've known this throughout history. We just have a hard time recognizing it when it's happening to us because we don't believe that we can be fooled. We don't believe that these kinds of people would do this to people like us because on some level, we feel we are similar kinds of people. We are educated. We are informed. We pay attention. We care, right? Why would they lie to us? And that question of why can lead to a long explanation. But the simple version is if we all believe the story they tell us, then we will respond in the ways they want us to. And we know they do it, and yet we still deny it for some reason. But when you're out in the world and you're discussing these things with people, most people understand on some level that the central narrative is wrong about a certain set of things. Maybe they don't think they're wrong about everything, but they are confused because they can perceive reality and as much as they try to deny it and ignore it and favor the central narrative, they still know where the cracks are. And as we go through this truly awful period of delay and frustration, perceiving that our country is falling down around us, those cracks begin to get more attention because they never get filled. No one ever says, oh, here's the answer. They just say, oh, ignore that. Oh, ignore that. Oh, did you see what that guy did? Or like Anthony Fauci in the hearings today, he just pretends that he is the victim of a vast misinformation campaign and that he is the victim of death threats to him and his family like his wife, who works in biomedical ethics and seems to have no more ethics than Anthony Fauci does, or his daughter, who works at Twitter. But we don't need to focus on them because we know what Anthony Fauci does. And so I want to start today where I started yesterday with a letter from Jim Jordan, although it is a different letter. It would be crazy if I read the same letter from Jim Jordan in two straight episodes. This letter today is from... Jim Jordan, and James Comer, to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. We write to request a transcribed interview of Dr. Anthony Fauci, Director, U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Excerpts of emails we are making public today reveal that Dr. Fauci was warned of two things. One, the potential that COVID-19 leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology and two, the possibility that the virus was intentionally genetically manipulated. It is imperative we investigate if this information was conveyed to the rest of the government and whether this information would have changed the U.S. response to the pandemic. Despite Dr. Fauci claiming otherwise on multiple occasions, he was, in fact, aware of the monetary relationship between NIAID, the U.S. National Institutes of Health. EcoHealth Alliance and the Wuhan Institute of Virology by January 27th, 2020. Dr. Fauci also knew that NIAID worked with EcoHealth to craft a grant policy to sidestep the gain-of-function moratorium at the time. This new policy, designed by EcoHealth and agreed to by NIAID, allowed EcoHealth to complete dangerous experiments on novel back coronaviruses with very little oversight that would have otherwise been blocked by the moratorium. In January 2020, Dr. Fauci was also aware that EcoHealth was not in compliance with the terms of its grant that funded the WIV. EcoHealth was required to submit an annual progress report to NIAID by September 30th, 2019, and had not yet done so. The committee subsequently learned that EcoHealth failed to submit these reports, presumably to hide a gain-of-function experiment conducted on infectious and potentially lethal novel bat coronaviruses. By January 27th, 2020, Dr. Fauci knew NIAID had funded EcoHealth, the WIV was a subgrantee of EcoHealth, and EcoHealth was not in compliance with its grant reporting. In particular, a grant that NIAID knew had gain-of-function potential on novel bat coronaviruses. It is unclear if Dr. Fauci reported any of these issues to his superiors. We need to know the entirety of what Dr. Fauci knew and when he knew it. On February 1st, 2020, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, and at least 11 other scientists convened a conference call to discuss COVID-19. It was on this conference call that Dr. Fauci and Collins were first warned that COVID-19 may have leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology and further may have been intentionally genetically manipulated. Again, it is unclear if either Dr. Fauci or Dr. Collins ever passed these warnings along to other government officials or if they simply ignored them. Only three days later, on February 4th, 2020, four participants of the conference call authored a paper entitled The Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2 and sent a draft to Drs. Fauci and Collins. Prior to the final publication in Nature Medicine, the paper was sent to Dr. Fauci for editing and approval. It is unclear what if any new evidence was presented or if the underlying science changed in that short period of time. But after speaking with Drs. Fauci and Collins, the authors abandoned their belief that covid-19 was the result of a laboratory leak It is also unclear if Dr. Fauci or Collins edited the paper prior to publication. On April 16th, 2020, more than two months after the original conference call, Dr. Collins emailed Dr. Fauci expressing dismay that the Nature Medicine article, which they saw prior to publication and were given the opportunity to edit, did not squash the lab leak hypothesis and asks if the NIH can do more to put down the lab leak hypothesis and put down is in quotes. That's a direct quote from the email. The next day after Dr. Collins explicitly asked for more public pressure, Dr. Fauci cited the Nature Medicine paper from the White House podium, likely in an effort to further stifle the hypothesis COVID-19 leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Rather than be transparent with the committee, NHS and NIH continue to hide, obfuscate and shield the truth. By continuing to refuse to cooperate with our request, your agencies are choosing to hide information that will help inform the origins of the ongoing pandemic, prevent future pandemics, respond to future pandemics, inform the United States' current national security posture, and restore confidence in our public health experts. HHS and NIH's continued obstruction is likely to cause irreparable harm to the credibility of these agencies. The emails released today raise significant questions, including but not limited to, One, did doctors Fauci or Collins warn anyone at the White House about the potential COVID-19 originated in a lab and could be intentionally genetically manipulated? Two, if these concerns were not shared, why was the decision to keep them quiet made? Three, what new evidence, if any, came to light about COVID-19 between February 1st, 2020 and February 4th, 2020 to alter the belief it originated in a lab? Four did Drs. Fauci or Collins edit the Nature Medicine paper entitled The Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2? Five, would having this knowledge earlier have benefited either vaccine or treatment development? Six, by February 1st, 2020, were doctors Fauci or Collins aware of the State Department's warnings about Wuhan Institute of Virology safety? Seven, would this warning have changed the early response to the COVID-19 pandemic? These questions are vital to understanding this and future pandemic responses. Unfortunately, thus far, HHS and its subordinate agency have hidden behind redactions to shield these emails from public scrutiny. We call on you to immediately lift these redactions and produce the email communications to Congress. Further, considering the import of the above questions, we request Anthony Fauci be made immediately available to sit for a transcribed interview. Please respond by January 18th, 2022 to confirm. And... A lot of people at this point in time have the reaction to the origin question. They think that it in some sense doesn't matter, right? It's here now. So it doesn't really matter whether it came from a bat or it came from the lab. That's just all in the past. We're just going to have to trust the science and move forward. But it does matter where the virus actually came from. And it does matter that these people knew where it came from. We don't need to pretend that its source is somehow in doubt. We don't need to give equal weight to the magical bat theory that somehow some Chinese peasant ate some bat soup in the wet market and suddenly coronavirus. No, they've known the entire time and Anthony Fauci is known the entire time and we'll get to some of the hearing later where you can hear him avoid the question directly but if we had known that the virus was developed in a lab a bioweapons facility by the way in coordination with the People's Liberation Army that serves at the pleasure of the Chinese Communist Party that is exactly who did that research and we should not forget that that's how the research was done but if that were the case We could have had the exact provenance of the virus. And you would imagine that scientists would be better served by having that information than the computer modeled genome sequencing of the virus that was given to us by China. And we just took that at face value and began to respond accordingly while pretending that it came from a bat. You see, if they were actually interested in the public health and preserving the public health and protecting people around the world and protecting economies from what they have done with the story of this pandemic, well, they would at least want to be starting with the right information from the very beginning. But that right information in reality would make them all look like they have created the virus, because in fact, they have created the virus. And whether it was a lab leak or it was released intentionally, we have their communications from back then that make it very clear that they were all aware that the virus had likely come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology that Anthony Fauci and Dr. Collins were funding through the NIH and the NIAID using a pass through called EcoHealth Alliance, run by Peter Daszak. And here we are, two years later, literally to the day. Two years later, two years ago today, the publication Science put out an article with the headline: Chinese researchers reveal draft draft genome of virus implicated in Wuhan pneumonia outbreak. And it has a big, lovely picture of Wuhan with a very ancient, oriental-looking building. And the caption of the picture is, A seafood market in Wuhan, China, has been considered the likely source of an outbreak of a novel virus, but it may have first infected people elsewhere. You got that? They don't know anything. But at least they got the sequence. And so there's been plenty of work done on the origin of the virus in the last two years. And all of that work points toward a lab origin. And so does the record of communications. But yet Anthony Fauci will still go out and say, well, we don't know. It could have been a bat. It could have been the lab, but we don't think that's likely. And somehow as a society, we accept the answer of, I don't know, from our experts, whenever it suits them. That's how they avoid giving the real answer. Well, they're not lying. They said they don't know, but that actually is a lie because they do know. And we're going to get some great examples of that later. But as I said, on yesterday's show, keep an eye out for what project Veritas was going to be dropping in the evening. And it was a little later than expected, but they did bring it. And, This is from Project Veritas last night. Military documents about gain of function contradict Fauci testimony under oath. Right. I'm just going to read the article here and then I'm going to bring you some analysis from the great techno fog. Project Veritas has obtained startling never before seen documents regarding the origins of COVID-19 gain of function research, vaccines, potential treatments which have been suppressed and the government's effort to conceal all of this. The documents in question stem from a report at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, better known as DARPA, which were hidden in a top-secret shared drive. DARPA is an agency under the U.S. Department of Defense in charge of facilitating research in technology with potential military applications. All right? DARPA is accountable to the Pentagon. Project Veritas has obtained a separate report to the Inspector General of the Department of Defense written by U.S. Marine Corps Major joseph murphy a former darpa fellow the report states that ecohealth alliance approached darpa in march 2018 seeking funding to conduct gain-of-function research of bat-borne coronaviruses the proposal named project defuse was rejected by darpa over safety concerns and the notion that it violates the basis gain-of-function research moratorium According to the documents, NIAID, under the direction of Dr. Fauci, went ahead with the research in Wuhan, China, and at several sites across the U.S. Dr. Fauci has repeatedly maintained under oath that the NIH and NIAID have not been involved in gain-of-function research with the EcoHealth Alliance program. But according to the documents obtained by Project Veritas, which outline why EcoHealth Alliance's proposal was rejected, DARPA certainly classified the research as gain-of-function. The proposal does not mention or assess potential risks of -of gain-of-function research, a direct quote from the DARPA rejection letter. Major Murphy's report goes on to detail great concern over the COVID-19 gain-of-function program, the concealment of documents, the suppression of potential curatives like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and the mRNA vaccines. Project Veritas reached out to DARPA for comment regarding the hidden documents and spoke with the chief of communications, Jared Adams, who said, quote, It doesn't sound normal to me, end quote, when asked about the way documents were shrouded in secrecy. If something resides in a classified setting, then it should be appropriately marked, Adams said. I'm not at all familiar with unmarked documents that reside in a classified space. No. In a video breaking this story Monday night, Project Veritas CEO James O'Keefe asked a foundational question to DARPA. Who at DARPA made the decision to bury the original report? They could have raised red flags to the Pentagon, the White House or Congress, which may have prevented this entire pandemic that has led to the deaths of 5.4 million people worldwide and caused much pain and suffering to many millions more. Dr. Anthony Fauci has not responded to a request for comment on this story. And here is the rejection letter for Project Defuse. The Defuse proposed project by EHA was rejected by DARPA, although, quote, if funding became available, end quote, certain components of particular interest could have gone ahead, subject to a clear contractual dual use research of concern risk mitigation plan that, quote, includes a responsible communications plan. Dual use, by the way, means that it has a military function. The Biological Technologies Office of DARPA reviewed the EcoHealth Alliance Diffuse proposal and the evaluation reports and decided it was selectable. In doing so, two out of three reviewers considered the aim of preempting, quote, zoonotic spillover through reduction of viral shedding in the bat caves, end quote, as of interest to DARPA. These reviewers assessed the EHA and collaborators team and concluded that they have plenty of prior experience, They have access to Yunnan caves where bats are infected with SARS viruses. They have carried out past surveillance work. They have developed geo-based risk maps of zoonotic hotspots. Their proposed experimental work is logical and can validate molecular and evolutionary models. Their proposed preemption approaches can be rapidly validated using bat and batonized mouse models. However, the Biological Technologies Office did not recommend it be funded at that time because significant weaknesses were identified. The proposal was considered to potentially involve gain-of-function dual-use research because they proposed to synthesize spike glycoproteins which bind to human cell receptors and insert them into SARS-R-CoV backbones to assess whether they can cause SARS-like diseases. However, the proposal does not mention or assess potential risks of gain of function research, nor does the proposal mention or assess dual use research of concern issues and thus fails to present a DURC risk mitigation plan. The proposal hardly addresses or discusses ethical, legal and social issues. The proposal fails to discuss problems with the proposed vaccine delivery systems caused by the known issues of variability in vaccine dosage. The proposal did not provide sufficient information about how EHA would use any data obtained and how they would model development or perform any necessary statistical analysis. The proposal did not explain clearly how EHA will take advantage of their previous work, nor how that previous work could be extended. The proposal failed to clearly assess how it would deploy and validate the TA2 preemption methods in the wild. This refers to carrying out experiments with effective immune-boosting molecules and delivery techniques via FEA aerosolization mechanism at one test and two control bat cave sites in Yunnan, China. The proposal does not address concerns about these vaccines not being able to protect against the wide variety of coronaviruses in bat caves which are constantly evolving due to insufficient epitope coverage. Drastic independently assesses that the tone of the proposal and the deep suggested involvement of some of the W.I.V. parties, Shi Li, employed halftime for three years, paid via the grant and invited to DARPA headquarters at Arlington may not have helped either, especially in the absence of any dual use research of concern risk mitigation program. It is clear that the proposed DEFUSE project led by Peter Daszak could have put local communities at risk by failing to consider the following issues. Gain of function, dual use research of concern, vaccine epitope coverage, regulatory requirements, ethical, legal and social issues and data usage. And that's the end of the rejection for this proposal. And drastic, by the way, stands for. Decentralized Radical Autonomous Search Team Investigating COVID. Isn't that like so cute and so clever? So here's Newsweek. From September 22nd of last year, DARPA denies funding Wuhan Institute of Virology amid alleged document leak, right? You got it? It was all a conspiracy theory back then and Newsweek ran cover for them. DARPA, the U.S. Advanced Research Projects Agency. And it's kind of funny that they left out the word defense, isn't it? So it's just important U.S. research. It's not military research about advanced projects. It's just 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 in the U.S., according to Newsweek. They, they don't need to, like, actually tell you what it is. So DARPA has denied funding research activity at the Wuhan Institute of Virology after a group released documents allegedly detailing a coronavirus research proposal. Newsweek cannot confirm the veracity of the Drastic group or the existence of Project Diffuse documents described. The group says the documents were provided anonymously. Drastic is a group of activists who say they are working towards solving the riddle of the origin of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that is behind the COVID pandemic. They say they were given documents by an anonymous source which details something called Project Diffuse. According to what appear to be funding proposal excerpts, Published by Drastic, Project Diffuse aimed to reduce the threat of bat-borne coronaviruses through research that, and was headed by Peter Daszak, president of the U.S.-based research organization EcoHealth Alliance, EHA. It would have run between 2018 and 2022. Drastic states the research proposal would have involved advanced and dangerous research into bat coronaviruses in cooperation with the Wuhan Institute of Virology and other facilities, and said the research would qualify as gain of function, a process that can be used to make viruses more dangerous so that humans can investigate them and improve understanding. You got that? That's why they make them more dangerous. It's for the science. It's not because they're bioweapons. However, Drastic said the documents showed that DARPA rejected the diffused proposal in part because of of gain-of-function concerns. Drastic did not publicly release the actual document it said it had seen. In a statement to Newsweek, DARPA denied funding any activity associated with EcoHealth Alliance or the Wuhan Institute of Virology. A spokesman said, In accordance with U.S. federal acquisition regulations, we are not at liberty to divulge who may or may not have submitted a proposal in response to any of the agency's solicitations. Further, information contained within bids is considered proprietary and can only be released by the bidder. That being said, DARPA has never funded directly nor indirectly as a subcontractor any activity or researcher associated with the EcoHealth Alliance or Wuhan Institute of Virology. Newsweek has contacted Peter Daszak and EHA for comment. Newsweek has also contacted UNC Chapel Hill, Duke National University in Singapore, the USGS National Wildlife Health Center, and Palo Alto Research Center, which drastic says are also mentioned in the documents for comment. Newsweek was unable to contact the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Gain-of-function research into coronaviruses has been a hot topic recently since many are concerned that SARS-CoV-2 could have accidentally leaked from a lab sparking the pandemic the national institutes of health for instance has already denied approving grants that would have supported gain of function research on coronaviruses investigation into the origin of SARS-CoV-2 is ongoing in August president Joe Biden the very real president received a report from the intelligence community into the matter that came back inconclusive that was after he shut down the prior administration's investigation into the origin, which wasn't so inconclusive. He shut that down. And then they gave themselves 90 days to do a brand new study. And after everybody forgot over those 90 days, then they said, Hey, you know what? Still just don't know. It's just too hard to say. Oh, those rascally Chinese. They just kept some of the information from us. So now we'll never know. So we got to assume it's a bat and Anthony Fauci wasn't lying. Earlier this year, after the World Health Organization completed its initial investigation into the origins of COVID by visiting Wuhan, several nations jointly expressed concerns that the study was, quote, significantly delayed and lacked access to complete original data and samples. Well, gosh, what good is the World Health Organization then? The study had concluded that the lab leak theory was, quote, extremely unlikely at that time. So great work, Newsweek. Now, for some. Analysis of what we have so far. And by the way, if you go to the actual Project Veritas story on this issue, you can link directly to the documents that support their claims. And so you don't actually have to trust me or trust them or trust anyone. You can simply read it yourself, which is always the best move. Now, this is Technofog. New documents reveal early beliefs that SARS-CoV-2 was engineered and how the debate was shut down to protect science. Since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, NIAID Director Anthony Fauci and NIH Director Francis Collins have decried the theory that the virus escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology as a conspiracy theory. And by the way, uh, Collins is the former director of the NIH at this point. Back in March 2020, Collins said claims that COVID-19 was engineered in a lab were, quote, Outrageous. He pointed to a new study that, quote, debunks such claims by providing scientific evidence that this novel coronavirus arose naturally, end quote. Notably, one of the study's authors, Christian Anderson, had previously informed Fauci that some features of the virus look engineered, and he did that in emails directly to Anthony Fauci, which were accessed through the Freedom of Information Act, and they were heavily redacted, but they were in that document dump from the end of last summer. It was probably August or September sometime. Never to be outdone in May 2020, Fauci told National Geographic that this virus, quote, could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated, end quote. Could not. He left no room for doubt. This is a quote, by the way everything about the stepwise evolution over time strongly indicates that this virus evolved in nature and then jumped species. That's Anthony Fauci telling you what Anthony Fauci tells you, which is never, ever, not once ever the truth. Today, congressional Republicans released emails revealing scientists and researchers, people who are certainly not conspiracy theorists, informing Fauci and Collins of their beliefs that the virus was man-made. Notes from a February 1st, 2020 conference call were forwarded to Fauci and Collins on February 2nd, 2020. Here are the excerpts from the Republican release. And these are the documents attached to the Jim Jordan letter. So you can find those in the info stream t.me slash I'm your moderator. The excerpts here are highlighted by Technofog. I'm going to read you those little sections in the interest of time. This is from Mike Farzan, discoverer of the SARS receptor. Item number three on this list, he is bothered by the furin site and has a hard time explaining that as an event outside the lab, though there are possible ways in nature, but highly unlikely. Okay. So that is an aspect of the virus, what they call the furin cleavage site. They're saying it's hard to explain how this could have happened in nature. It is almost definitely because of lab manipulation. It is highly unlikely, in his words, that it evolved in nature, jumping down. So given above, a likely explanation could be something as simple as passage SARS-Live COVs in tissue culture on human cell lines under BSL-2 for an extended period of time accidentally creating a virus that would be primed for rapid transmission between humans via gain of furin site from tissue culture, and adaption to human ACE2 receptor via repeated passage. And then he follows up. So I think it becomes a question of how do you put all this together? Whether you believe in this series of coincidences, what you know of the lab in Wuhan, how much could be in nature, accidental release, or natural event. I am 70-30 or 60-40, and those are both toward the lab release accidentally. And he excerpts another email, this one from a man named Bob Gary. I really can't think of a plausible natural scenario where you get from the bat virus or one very similar to it to NCOV where you insert exactly four amino acids, 12 nucleotide that all have to be added at the exact same time to gain this function and that you don't change any other amino acid in S2 I just can't figure out how this gets accomplished in nature. Regarding the same February 1st, 2020 phone conference notes, likely communicating the position of Collins state that experts need to be convened to support the theory of natural origin or quote, the voices of conspiracy will quickly dominate doing great harm to science and international harmony. End quote. There was no concern for actually getting to the truth. And the excerpt below, but I, this is from Collins to Anthony Fauci, Jeremy Farrar and Lawrence Tabak. But I share your view that a swift convening of experts in a confidence inspiring framework WHO seems really the only option is needed or the voices of conspiracy will quickly dominate doing great potential harm to science and international harmony. That is amazing. And I share your view means that the other guys already think it, okay? He's agreeing with them. Another February 2nd email to which Fauci and Collins were copied from Dr. Andrew Rambau states, from a natural evolutionary point of view, the only thing here that strikes me as unusual is the furin cleavage site. Importantly, he observed the insertion, quote, resulted in an extremely fit virus in humans, end quote. Then there were efforts to completely shut down debate. Dr. Ron Fouchier, I assume, remarked that debate on the origins of the virus would be a distraction and cause harm to science. End a quote from his email. However, Further debate about such accusations would unnecessarily distract top researchers from their active duties and do unnecessary harm to science in general and science in China in particular. And, you know, that language sounds an awful lot like the letter I read from the Stanford professors yesterday. Arguing that their research is so important that the government interfering and trying to find instances of intellectual property theft or espionage in the relationships between American professors and Chinese universities, ah, well, that could cause racism or harm their very important work. Isn't it amazing what professors think of their own abilities and their own importance? Honestly, man, I mean, I went to college. Like, there are some really great professors out there. I'm not trying to besmirch the profession, and I know it's a valuable one. I know that teaching is important. That's how people learn things and how our world ultimately progresses. But this is a – but the self-regard these people have is – it's unbelievable. It honestly is. They think that they are gods of their subjects. They are infallible. You can listen to Anthony Fauci, and I'm going to play some clips in a second but their tone of voice is unbelievable. They really think that only people who are the approved interlocutors in their profession, those are the only people that get to ask questions or ever doubt them, ever think that they might be fallible. To us normal people, gosh, how dare we ask them questions about their little experiments? Their little experiments are so important that none of them ever have to stand up To someone like Anthony Fauci, they never have to stand up for the truth. They never have to stand up and tell the American public what they actually know, what they were actually involved in, because if they do that, then Anthony Fauci might pull their funding and they, they are the ones whose own particular little research in their little tiny field is going to save all of humanity. There is nothing worse on this planet than powerful dorks. And isn't it always amazing how often powerful dorks gravitate toward the universities where they will eventually become unaccountable and just be able to practice their dorkiness in perpetuity and they gravitate toward tech and philanthropy. And who exactly is it causing the biggest problems in the entire world right now? Well, it's definitely academic scientific researchers for sure. And the public health community that grows up around them, they kind of have this mutually beneficial relationship. The public health community takes on the guise of saving people's lives and enacts systems of control. And when they discover that they need need new methods and systems to control people, they turn to the universities where the university scientists and professors will gladly give them a study or a model. And then they take that out to the public. To all the child brains who are still who are still sleeping comfortably huddled under their blankets, wearing three completely useless masks, will agree with whatever they say. Oh, the experts. Oh, we got the new science from the Oracle. It's come down from the mountain. It's all chiseled into stone tablets. This is the science. I have it now. This is why I need to stay home and mask up. Idiots. But I digress back to technofog. And then in April 2020, we see Collins again asking government officials at NIH to put down the very destructive conspiracy that the virus was engineered. This is an email from Collins to Fauci, Tabak, Cliff Lane, and Mr. John Burklow, not a doctor. They had to make that clear. Wondering if there is something NIH can do to help put down this very destructive conspiracy with what seems to be growing momentum. I hoped the Nature Medicine article on the genomic sequence of SARS-CoV-2 would settle this, but probably didn't get much visibility. Anything more we can do? Ask the National Academy to weigh in? Fauci was less worried, commenting that this was a, quote, shiny object that will go away in time, end quote. Perhaps he was confident in the pressure the U.S. government was putting on social media companies to shut down the man-made origins debate. And if you'll recall, in the same email document dump, Anthony Fauci was communicating directly with Mark Zuckerberg, and a whole lot of it was redacted. But Mark Zuckerberg was asking Anthony Fauci if there was anything he could do to help the public understand the very important information that we need. Of course, Fauci was wrong on that. The debate over the origins of the virus will never go away, even if Fauci's friends at the Wuhan lab have made sure to destroy the evidence of its origins. And last night, Brian Cates was going through the military documents in the Project Veritas release and found some real gems. And so I'm going to go through a few of those with you. This first one is an excerpt from the documents. DARPA rejected the proposal because the work was too close to violating the gain of function moratorium, despite what Peter Dashik says in the proposal that the work would not. As is known, Dr. Fauci with NIAID did not reject the proposal. The work took place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and at several sites in the U.S. identified in detail in the proposal. And Kate's comments, they did this gain of function research on bat coronaviruses, not only at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. Where else does it say gain of function research was done on bat coronaviruses inside the United States? And then he notes as a sidebar, like I mentioned yesterday, that one of the possibilities would be at Harvard, where we know that Charles Lieber was just convicted of working with the Chinese Communist Party. He goes on another clip from Major Joseph Murphy's release. A technological challenge as difficult as inoculating bats in China would be tried at DARPA first. The massive Manhattan Project level of information suppression executed by the government and the Trusted News Initiative indicates that it would be covered up if something bad happened. The lab leak hypothesis and squabbling between Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci indicated that the cover-up was more localized. Further, an actual cover-up would be more disciplined with its paperwork. So I presumed that unclassified files would be concealed on a higher network and found them where I expected them to be. I understood what they were and their content, pushed the files off-site, and compiled this report. Another clip from the major. SARS-CoV-2 is an American-created recombinant bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by an EcoHealth Alliance program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting surrounding the lab leak hypothesis. The details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. These details can be found in the EcoHealth Alliance proposal response to the DARPA preempt program broad agency announcement dated March 2018, a document not yet publicly disclosed. And here's more. The EcoHealth Alliance response to the preempt BAA is placed along with other proposal documents in the preempt folder on the DARPA Biological Technologies Office, JWICS, top secret, share drive. And he gives the address. Further, Ivermectin identified as curative in April 2020, works throughout all phases of illness because it both inhibits viral replication and modulates immune response. Of note, chloroquine phosphate, hydroxychloroquine, identified April 2020 as curative, is identified in the proposal as a SARS-R-CoV inhibitor, as is interferon, identified May 2020 as curative. And yet Anthony Fauci testified today before Congress under questioning by Tommy Tuberville that while the brand new Pfizer drug, the antiviral Paxlovid was very safe and effective according to their randomized control, double-blinded placebo trials. But that ivermectin, despite its enormous success around the world, still had not been proven effective in one of those trials. But guess who decides whether or not the trials happen and how long they take? Oh, well, it's the same people. It's the drug companies. That's crazy, isn't it? And Anthony Fauci just goes ahead and says what he says like it's true or like it's an accurate answer that matters. It's not accurate and it doesn't matter. He's lying. Ivermectin is just fine. The proof exists in the real world. And if you have read or listened to Robert F. Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you will understand that that exact answer that he gave in the testimony today is what they often do to make sure that some drugs get the pass through and others don't. Anthony Fauci can't dispute the fact that ivermectin works in the world. So instead, he says that they haven't done the tests. We don't have the proof that it works in these very specific trials. We don't have all the studies. We don't have all the testing yet. We just don't know. Yeah, sure. it has completely stopped COVID in the Uttar Pradesh province in India with a 240 million person population, completely eradicated COVID for five cents a pill. But we just don't know. And the WHO says it might be dangerous. So I guess we just got to go with that. And here is more from Major Murphy's DARPA release. The gene encoded or mRNA vaccines work poorly. Because they are synthetic replications of the already synthetic SARS-CoV-WIV spike proteins and possess no other epitopes, the mRNA instructs the cells to produce synthetic copies of the SARS-CoV-WIV synthetic spike protein directly into the bloodstream, wherein they spread and produce the same ACE2 immune storm that the recombinant vaccine does. Many doctors in the country have identified that the symptoms of vaccine reactions mirror the symptoms of the disease, which corroborates with the similar synthetic nature and function of the respective spike proteins. The vaccine recipient has no defense against the bloodstream entry, but their nose protects them from the recombinant spike protein quasi species during natural infection, better termed as aerosolized inoculation. And I hope you recall the study we discussed a few weeks ago from the Lancet in Europe. They discovered with a massive sample size that the symptoms of an early coronavirus infection could not be distinguished from vaccine reactions. So this is exactly what that study had found. So we have a synthetic vaccine. Introducing a synthetic spike protein into your bloodstream, but it's very safe and effective. Right? Right? And here's another screenshot highlighted in the Project Veritas video. SARS-CoV-2, hereafter referred to as SARS-R-CoV-W-I-V, and the W-I-V is obviously Wuhan Institute of Virology, is a synthetic spike protein chimera engineered to attach to human ACE2 receptors and inserted into a recombinant bat sars cov backbone. It is likely a live vaccine not yet engineered to a more attenuated state that the program sought to create with its final version. It leaked and spread rapidly because it was aerosolized so it could efficiently infect bats in caves, but it was not ready to infect bats yet, which is why it does not appear to infect bats. The reason the disease is so confusing is because it is less a virus than it is engineered spike proteins hitchhiking a ride on a SARS-CoV quasi-species swarm. The closer it is to the final live attenuated vaccine form, the more likely that it has been de-attenuating since initial escape in August 2019. Oh, 2019, August 2019. Well, we've never heard about a date like that. And Maybe it's a good time just to remind everybody what exactly we were dealing with when we began the pandemic response. Okay, the pandemic response in our country and all of the ridiculous mitigation steps that we put into practice, those didn't start till the middle of March in 2020. There were no masks until I think sometime around the middle of May. We didn't lock down until April. There were suggestions about what we should do. And the Democrat governors like Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo started locking down their citizens and putting restrictions on their citizens. And Anthony Fauci went on television to tell Sanjay Gupta and Anderson Cooper that we needed a nationwide lockdown, even though no science anywhere in the world backed that up at all. He just complained that the models showed a huge problem and we just all went along with it. All of those mitigation steps that we have taken this entire time have done absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing. And we should have already understood that because it turns out that the cold, hard truth is that the virus was in America spreading and replicating for four and a half months before we did anything. It was here in the fall of 2019, four and a half months not one lockdown, not one school closure, not one mask. We didn't destroy the hospitality industry. We weren't pretending that it was somehow okay to force people to inject themselves with an experimental gene therapy in violation of the Nuremberg Code. We weren't doing any of that. We were just going on about our lives. I was going, I was in LA. I was going to concerts and sporting events and house parties and bars. I was living my normal social life. And that's what it was. I mean, not everybody knows this who listens to the show because I don't talk about it a lot, but literally my job in Los Angeles was to make social events happen. That's what I got paid to do for over 15 years. And I was very good at it. And in all that time, no one was scared of the cold. No one was keeping six feet of distance from other people. No one was telling you that you had to listen to them or that you might be killing someone's grandmother. None of that was happening. Back to Major Murphy. I will inevitably be asked how I figured this out and how I discovered the documents. The pandemic response became the predominant focus of my fellowship efforts. DARPA worked on a number of pandemic innovations, and much of its team was familiar with biodefense. I had the opportunity to sit in the back row, per se, and observe and listen in on the government's efforts. My obligation-like fellowship also allowed me to observe and read the field. This observation grew in scope to the point that it became a series of reports, like a military scout would prepare when tasked to investigate a problem. And man, oh man, I just got to say, this guy seems like a hero. I mean, that's just my first impression. I don't know how this situation is going to turn out, but I do know that the response is not to be like, yeah, but nothing ever happens. No one's ever held accountable. Yeah, because the situation is evolving again. And I've said this a million times too. The goal here isn't just to get Anthony Fauci out of his job, right? Somebody else would rise up and replace Anthony Fauci. Their system is infiltrated throughout the whole of government and the whole of society. And that's true the world over. And they have a lot of power in certain spaces. The response is not to be like, yeah, but nothing ever happens. The response is to share information so everyone you know knows the information. Because when everyone, you know, knows the information and they're spreading the information, then all of a sudden, pretty much all of society knows the information, except those people who are still in denial, and they will go down in history, just like what they call good Germans. All the people that knew what was happening, people told them what was happening, but they said, "Ah, you know, I can't be bothered to do that. Well, people are going to get mad at me. I might lose my job. I might lose my social standing. So they just go along with it. And yeah, there are concentration camps in their country, but it's not their problem. They didn't set up the concentration camps. And yeah, they've inflicted certain of the regulations on their fellow citizens. And yeah, they pointed out where their friends and neighbors were hiding Jews. But, you know, that's just what they had to do. And they were good Germans. And we're going to find that in America as this situation finds its end, and it will find its end. The entire country is waking up to this. People know what's happening. Keep spreading the information. The people are the cure. We have this situation to fix, and we have election fraud to fix, and those things must happen because it's not good enough to say nothing ever happens. We are the solution. We have to make sure Everyone knows what has actually happened. There is no longer any hiding from this. Call me a conspiracy theorist all you want. Men, how do the people who said all that for the last two years look now? In their little circles, they're still very smart and responsible, although they sure have gotten quiet, haven't they? they? They certainly don't have that air of confidence that they used to have. Because the truth is they don't know anything and they didn't know anything then. And then me, the conspiracy theorist, oh, I've said something that we don't, we don't know that yet. There's no reason to believe that yet. Well, I mean, I'm right pretty much not all the time. Of course, no one's right all the time. And I speculate a lot and say, Hey, I'm speculating. This might not come to pass, but in the totality of what this has been and how the story has progressed, people like me And you guys and the other people you listen to in this space, we've been right almost all the time about pretty much everything. And every single narrative has gone in our direction. While the propagandists on CNN are wrong over and over and over again, and their producers are exposed as pedophiles that they have no comment about. And Dr. Anthony Fauci has not made a single right decision the entire time. Now people are finding out that masks don't work and pretending that it's, oh, it's just because of Omicron. Omicron is different. But I've been communicating this to you guys for a long time. There's no reason to be scared or intimidated of these people. It doesn't matter what names they call you. You're right. They're wrong. They have a college degree. Ooh, wow. I bet they don't even know where the damn thing is. I sure as hell don't know where mine is. Where is my college degree? I have no idea. It's certainly not on my wall, but they have a little piece of paper in a frame that says, "Ooh, you're so smart. You're so smart that you did something millions and millions and millions and millions of other people have done. That means absolutely nothing in two years, two years, they have not once questioned whether or not. The television is right about the two most important crises in American history. That is all you need to know about how smart those people are. Literally, you do not need to know one other thing. They see the most important situations in their entire lives. They are making decisions for their own permanent health and the health of their children And they are making voting decisions on what might be best for the culture that their children will grow up in. And they did not even question whether or not the TV was correct. And then they're like, oh, oh, he's angry. (laughs) His tone is his tone is too angry for me. I require being talked to like an adult because I'm an adult. No, you're not an adult. You are old enough to be an adult, but you haven't actually become an adult because you do what the television tells you to do. And we are supposed to take you seriously. And we're supposed to be concerned when you say that we shouldn't be taken seriously. Oh, well, commie, that's not going to work out much longer. You guys, you have to stop giving these people respect they don't deserve. All right. All they do is mimic the television. And to mimic the television, they mimic newspapers and outlets like the Atlantic. Those are their sources that they always ask for. They won't read your sources. They don't understand. We've already read their sources. I mean, I read mainstream media articles on this podcast all day long, just to show you how comically dumb they are. But we have to pretend that they're the serious ones. They're the ones that did their homework. They actually know something. These people don't know anything, anything relevant to any of these conversations. No matter how frustrating the job becomes, the job is still simple. Okay. Maintain your faith in the good of humanity And in the awakening that is happening before our eyes and keep spreading the truth. That's all there is. You need to encourage people to understand what's happening now and then act on it in the way they are empowered to act. All right. Not everybody is in a position of power, but the people who are in positions of power will have people coming to them with the truth. And some of those people are really bad. Okay. You can't expect they're all going to do something. If a judge makes a bad decision, if a cop makes a bad decision, if a congressman makes a bad decision, that doesn't mean you give up on the project. Okay. You keep pushing so that we can get those people out of positions of power because they are abusing their positions of power for personal gain or because they are compromised. But one thing you cannot do is give up. There is no point in taking the black pill and there is absolutely no point in telling anyone that nothing's going to happen. That is ridiculous. I mean, honestly, what is the purpose? Either you understand the truth or you don't. Okay. If you do and you think nothing's happening, well, the question that must be asked is what are you doing? And if the answer is nothing, then advertising your disappointment to everyone is only an advertisement of your disappointment in yourself. I had a uh, a friend of mine from Hollywood last week contact me and ask me what I knew about the exemption process like the medical exemption process from the vaccines and the truth is i don't know a hell of a lot about it because that's not a subject i concern myself with right that's not an important research subject to me because it doesn't affect my life and it doesn't affect the narrative that i discuss the ins and outs the details and process of getting medical exemptions in certain industries is not something that will help this situation Right? It's not stuff that everyone needs to know. So I don't know it and I don't talk about it. I concern myself with trying to understand the things the public needs to understand. And that's not one of them. And I said that. But I also said, you got to understand, right? That you are in this precarious position you find yourself in, that you are very stressed out and worried about right now in January of 2022 because there is not a single industry in the country I can think of that has done less to increase the public understanding, has done less to push back against any of this. The entertainment community has been almost entirely silent from day one because people are very attached to their jobs, their livelihoods, and their public image. And trust me, I understand how important that is. We all have lives to live. Many people have families that they need to take care of. They have mortgages. I get it. But if you prioritize all of that stuff over speaking out publicly or implementing changes that you have the ability to implement while living a primarily truly comfortable life over these last two years, While most of the country is suffering pretty severely, then when does it come time to look at your role and the role of your peer group in allowing this problem to progress? If the Hollywood community were actual patriotic Americans who cared about the future of this country, they could actually be standing up and making a difference. All right. It's not that hard. They could have gotten their people together. Some of the more powerful people with bigger public images could have come out on the right side of all these issues, but that's not what they do. That's not what they do at all. In fact, many of the most powerful people in Hollywood will take money to make public service announcements and post on their Instagrams. They are actually propagandizing the American public with American taxpayer money. And then they're complaining later on. They're getting fake vaccine cards later on. No industry has done less to help than Hollywood. Do not forget that at any point. Okay. And I'm not saying that individual people need to be punished, but when you are watching these people propagandize you through their social media, through the art laughable that they choose to make primarily. There are so few artists in Hollywood, honestly, so few. They basically call everything they do art so that people don't realize it's almost entirely commercials and bullshit. There are some fantastic artists, don't get me wrong, and I'm lucky to know a few of them. But primarily, that industry is full of people whose entire life revolves about the expansion of their egos. And trust me, I know. I was part of it, but honestly, what do we have? Who do we have out there from the entertainment community speaking out? My friend Samita Armstrong and Gina Carano, and we have John Voight and James Woods and some others, but where's everybody else? They're all silent. And so we have the industry with the largest public mouthpiece in the country, almost completely silent about one of the most important situations in world history. They can't be bothered. But, but, two years later, when the situation finally reaches their doorstep, well, now it's time to help them. Now, I apologize for this going long, but I still do want to get to these clips because I think it's important. And, you know, I set up shows. I think it's going to go a certain way, goes a different way. Just got to adapt. So I'm going to do it. I hope you stick with me. I'm going to play clips from Rand Paul and Roger Marshall as they attempt to get Anthony Fauci on the record for what he has actually done. So Rand Paul is asking Fauci about the email where Fauci discusses with Francis Collins how to paint the doctors who wrote the Great Barrington Declaration as Fringe
3: $1,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you.
4: The email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you look at the email
3: that you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it. I can do it. We got something in wire. No, magazine. no, no.
4: I think in you usual did. fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you First ever object
3: all, to Dr. Collins's characterization of them as friends? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not friends, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath me I, I did not to do that. Do... You responded to him that you would do it, uh, and you immediately got an article y- y- in Wired, y- you... and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got them I nailed them in Wired of all scientific publications. That's not publications. what went on.
4: You there you go again. That you just do the same thing every year That
3: was your response,
4: and so, this, so... Wasn't, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take You're down people... incorrect. As usual, Senator, you no. are incorrect. Almost everything you Well, said. no, you deny,
3: you deny, right. but the emails tell the truth of this. No. This wasn't the only time. Your desire to take down those who disagree with you didn't stop with Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. You conspired with Peter Dayzak who you communicated with privately, and other members of the scientific community that wrote opinion pieces for Nature. Five of them signed a, a paper for Nature, an opinion piece. Seventeen signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated in the lab. Do you think words like
4: conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper? Senator, I never used that word when I was referring to it. You're distorting virtually everything. Did you communicate with the five scientists who wrote the opinion piece in Nature
3: where they were describing, oh, this, there's no way this could have come from, was from the lab?
4: That was not me. I did you did, talk with any of those see, scientists but privately? You keep the you keep the, story did you, the truth. It is, it is you talk, how you, you do Did you talk
3: that? to any of the scientists privately yes. who wrote the
4: opinion? You did. Well, what were they telling you privately? Well, well, let me explain. You know you're going back to that original discussion when I brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind. So you, not only are you distorting it. You were completely turning it around as as most of the scientists that
3: came to you privately. Did they come to you privately and say, no way this came from the lab? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and others that were involved, was their initial impression actually
4: that it looked very suspicious for a virus that came from a lab? Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence over a response
3: to this than you have? Do you think it's a great success? Do you think it's a great success what's happened so far? Do you think the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And now 800,000 people have died. Do
4: you think it's a a winning success what you've advocated for government? Uh, Senator, first of all, if you look at everything that I said, you accuse me of in a monolithic way telling people what they need to do. Everything that I've said has been in support of the CDC guidelines. Wear a mask get boosted and you've advocated to make it course
3: and done a look and at everything and you've advocated to be done by mandate right. you've advocated
4: that your infallible opinion be dictated by law right so again madam chair i would like just a couple of minutes because right. this this happens all the time
2: and then fauci goes on to explain how he's had death threats and it's not really worth listening to but the clips are all up in the info stream if you like But you should notice there, and Fauci does it again later in the hearing, he is now saying that all he has ever said is what the CDC guidelines are. He brings it up multiple times, and it seems, and I'm not the first to observe this, like there is an effort, let's say, To shift blame onto the CDC and Rochelle Walensky and Rochelle Walensky is an absolutely terrible and incompetent administrator. And that's what you get in communist systems of power. And that is not some overstatement. That's exactly what we're dealing with here. These people are there to disseminate propaganda. They are not there to do the jobs we imagine they are there to do. They are following orders and they are distributing orders. They are administrators. That's it. And so here's Roger Marshall asking about the DARPA stuff.
1: Good when it comes to educating the public on COVID. Suppose you were leading a team in an effort to try to get people to stop smoking cigarettes. But every time your spokesperson goes on television, over half the nation goes out and buys a pack of Marlboro's. Wouldn't you stop that person from appearing on national television?
4: Once again, Senator Marshall, I believe that's a real distortion of the reality. If you look at everything that I've said on TV, it is to validate, encourage, and get people to abide by the recommendations of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Look at everything I've ever said. Yeah, Dr. Fauci, I understand that, but,
1: but perception is reality. Yeah, And you're hurting the team right uh, now. Yeah. You are hurting the team right now. Yeah. Dr. Fauci, you previously told this committee under oath that NIH and NAIAD have never funded gain-of-function research with the EcoHealth All right. Alliance. However, a report from the Department of Defense Inspector General released yesterday states that EcoHealth Alliance proposed DARPA in 2018 seeking funding to conduct gain-of-function research on bat-borne coronaviruses. This proposal, named Project Diffuse, D-E-F-U-S-E, was rejected by DARPA because the project didn't address the current research's potential to violate the gain-of-function moratorium. The proposal does not mention or assess potential risk of of gain-of-function research. That's a direct quote from the DARPA rejection letter. The same proposal rejected by DARPA for gain of function potential was not rejected but by NIAID under your leadership. You funded Project Diffuse and its research that took place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Why did you tell the committee that your agency has never funded gain of function research? Why did your agency award this grant despite it being rejected by DARPA due to its concerns about violating the moratorium that was in place? And finally, Will you commit today to release all records fully unredacted by the end of this week so Congress and the American people can know the truth about NIH's
4: role and the origins of COVID-19? So, again, Senator, it really pains me to have to just point out to the American public how absolutely incorrect you are. What came out last night on Project Veritas was a grant that was submitted to DARPA then it distorted and said, we funded the grant. We have never seen that grant and we have never funded that grant. So once again, you are completely and unequivocally incorrect when you joined the DARPA proposal was a grant that we never saw and we did not fund. So you are incorrect. Our social media will have all the supporting documents and we'll yeah, be supporting these Senate the record what, as well. You are, you. you're backing down on this? Why don't we go and look at the very Toss statement? They were talking about a grant that was submitted to DARPA. Are you saying this said, was not,
1: are you saying that this was viral gain-of-function research? I'm telling you
4: that you're saying- Are you saying that this DARPA was not viral gain-of-function research? By the definition that you are very well aware- which Your P3CO definition you
1: is know, just a legal
4: ease to get Senator, away that allows you to do the this viral cleanup of the Senator. Studies.
1: Senator Marshall, if you'll please allow the witness to respond.
4: Senator, we know, and the misinformation, that the guide rails for what can be done or not were not established by me. They were established by a three year process led by. The Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House. And decided
1: by you in a secret meeting at the White House in December of
4: 2019. uh, Senator, that is incorrect. And this refers exactly to what I was talking about in response to Senator Rand Paul. You are incorrect completely and every time i try to explain you're
1: incorrect but the facts are on my side so why why will you not commit to sharing everything open unredacted with this congress so so here's an example dr fauci uh, this hearing is critically important to the american people there are millions of people infected with the COVID virus it is impacting every part of our economy every family is asking for answers to critical questions Both sides of the aisle have asked tough questions, but we are not going to allow this committee hearing to be another personal attack that undermines our ability to deal with this uh, uh, terrible virus that is impacting so many people. I will then turn to Senator.
2: So that's Patty Murray, who's the chair of that committee from the Communist Republic of Washington, saving Anthony Fauci with the bell and then trying to bail him out that he was attacked. Now the part to focus on when Marshall was asking him whether or not it was gain of function, he did the same thing that he did a couple of months ago and say that by the definition they have created for gain of function. Now it's not, even though the words gain of function are all over it. I guess that was just the definition. Then one of these senators, I mean, On one hand, I'm happy that he's being challenged like this in public. On the other hand, it would be nice if these senators could actually ask relevant questions when he does this. The relevant question would be, Okay, well, has there ever been in recent history a definition of gain of function research that what you funded might fit? Okay, that's a simple yes or no question. And it doesn't allow for his evasiveness. And of course, he would still be evasive in a different way. But at least you have gotten to the root of what he's trying to do, saying correctly that his new definition is just legalese so he can escape accountability. That's all true, but it doesn't get the job done and it doesn't put him on record how he should be put on record. And Fauci always expects that he can just distract from the questions and be saved by the time or saved by the Democrats on the panel. And, of course, Mitt Romney and Richard Burr, who are both just obviously shills for the big pharma companies. And Anthony Fauci has such a massive ego. He is such a narcissist that he thinks the American public is actually going to get on board with him pretending to be ultra offended by these questions. But the truth is out there. And the little Nazi doctor, Anthony Fauci, who actually is beginning to seem even worse than Joseph Mangala, his time is coming. And I want to play one last clip. This is from a different hearing, and it is. Uh, Ted Cruz, who I am not a fan of, I ultimately do not think that Ted Cruz is a good guy. I think that Ted Cruz is a man with extraordinary political ambition that people don't really like that much. Like sometimes he does the job he's supposed to be doing. The rest of the time, he's more concerned with looking like he's doing the job he's supposed to be doing so that he can appeal to that nice globalist middle of centrists. And so I don't actually trust him at all, but this segment is good. And what I want you to take note of is how the people who are tasked with answering these questions, the people in positions of responsibility simply say, I don't know, I can't answer that Blah, blah, blah. Same thing in the Fauci, Walensky, Woodcock hearing. They would ask questions and people who are running the organizations tasked with knowing all the answers to these questions say things like, oh, well, you know, I don't have that number off the top of my head. Really? Why not? Either they are stupid or they are incompetent or they are lying. There is no other answer. Okay. It is irresponsible. It is an absolute dereliction of their duty to not know the answers to the questions they are asked, especially when those questions are simple questions about numbers. Rochelle Walensky claimed today that, Oh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the exact number of children hospitalized with COVID is, but it's probably less than a hundred thousand. Probably less than a hundred thousand. It's not even close to that on Sunday with Brett Baer on Fox news. And then she did a couple of the other Sunday shows as well. She agreed with the assertion that it's actually about 3,500. So to say that it's less than a hundred thousand in testimony before a Senate committee, what exactly are we supposed to think of that? So keep that in mind while you listen to this clip with Ted Cruz questioning people from the Department of Justice, FBI, et cetera. Thank you, Mr.
0: Chairman. Mr. Olson, how many people have been charged with crimes of violence in connection with the events on January 6th? Senator, I'm not sure exactly how many uh, have been charged with crimes of violence. I know that there are many. Okay. How, how many have been charged with nonviolent crimes? I don't have the numbers of people charged, whether at the state or federal level, I know that okay, they have. How having... many people are currently incarcerated concerning the events of January sixth? I don't know the number of people incarcerated. Again, I know that. I, I how many? Have... Okay, let me ask you that. Look, we've okay. limited time, so I don't want you to filibuster. You either know the answer, or you don't. How many people have been placed in solitary confinement concerning the events of January sixth? I don't have any information about that, Senator. You know, Mr. Olson, I will say it was sad. Senator Lee just asked you about this. Back in June of 2021, Senator Lee and I and two other senators sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking these questions, asking about the differential prosecutions. Let me ask you, during 2020, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots all across the country. There were over 700 police officers injured by Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. How many people have been charged with crimes of violence concerning those riots all across the country? I don't have information on how many. I, I would say you know hundreds of people have been charged, as Mr. You, you, you would say, but but you don't know. You know, when we asked you why the Biden Department of Justice has such wildly disparate standards, going after January 6, targeting, some people who committed crimes of violence, and anyone who commits a crimes of, of violence should be prosecuted, but also targeting a lot of non-violent individuals. We asked you, why is it that you won't target the rioters and terrorists who firebomb cities across this country? The answer we got from the Department of Justice was shameful. On October 22nd, you came back and said, quote, The Department is dedicated investigative and prosecutorial resources commensurate with the significance of these events. By significance, I guess it means the political benefit to the Biden White House. And I will tell you, there are a great many Americans who are understandably deeply concerned about the politicization of the Department of Justice under President Joe Biden. It has been 218 days since we sent you that letter. DOJ refused to answer the letter today when Senator Lee and I asked you about it. Your answer to every damn question is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You're under oath. You may believe at the Department of Justice that you are unaccountable to the American people, but that is not the case, and the wildly disparate standards are unacceptable. Ms. Sandberg, I want to turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents... Or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th. Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, Did any FBI, FBI agents, agents or confidential, confidential informants, informants actively, actively participate, participate in the events of January, events 6th, of yes January 6th, yes of no? 6th? Yes or no. Sir, I can't. I can't answer that. Did any FBI Did agents FBI or confidential agents informants agents commit crimes of violence on January 6th? 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well... There are a lot yeah. of people who are yeah. understandably very, are understandably concerned, very about Mr. concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, Tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. Ms. Sandburn was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals, in the bottom there, is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information leading for information leading to the arrest. This was posted and then sometime later. Magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sandburn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. Thank you.
2: And this is exactly the sort of incompetence and the total lack of accountability you can expect from an illegitimate regime. Their only concern is desperately clinging to their grip on power. The way they will be held accountable is by the people knowing what they've done and rising up and holding them accountable. Okay, the system isn't working how it's supposed to. That is partially our fault for having paid so little attention to it for so long. But that time is over. If you want to live in the country you believe you have lived in for most of your life and the country that your grandfathers fought for, then you need to stand up. And take it back. And the way that happens on a massive scale is by everyone sharing the truth with everyone else and making it clear to them how important this actually is and what's riding on it. Because what's riding on it is everything, your entire future. So don't get disappointed that the job isn't done or that it doesn't feel like it's going your way all of this as difficult as it is, is still progress. Okay. That is what people like me are doing this for. All right. Go to the info stream, get the clips, share them, go to project Veritas, get the documents, read them, understand them, be able to talk about them, be able to tell people, Oh, you know what? Actually, that's not a conspiracy. That's 100% true. And I know exactly how to show you it's true if you'll just take the time to look. Share the show. Honestly, nothing could help me do this more than everyone sharing the show with people who are beginning to wake up. All right. But the last thing that anyone should be doing is complaining that nothing's going to happen. It is up to us to make things happen. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my
4: mind, that's the end game.
2: Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your dot dot com. And the merch site is cancel you can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time. Out on the rain. moderator for tonight's broadcast it's had noon in my mind that's the end game thanks for listening if you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day you can do that by downloading the telegram messenger app and going to t.me imyourmoderator I'm your moderator on social media you can follow me on truth social getter and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is Couture.com, or go direct Shop.Spreadshirt.com slash Cancel-Couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to K O Fi.com slash I'mYourModerator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon, down on the range.